Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. So, how's everyone doing? I'm going to do this. We're just going to um, wait for the Lord just a few more minutes. We've been doing it, but it's what we do. We wait. Our wait demonstrates the worth that we attribute to him, right? That's our, our ability to just to wait, set aside uh, wrong attentions, like wrong distractions. Our wait is, is what demonstrates to him what we think of him. Our, our, our worship, which is where we get the English word worship from. Um, so we're just going to wait. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We just uh, tune our hearts again to you, Jesus. You are Lord. You are God. We just love you with everything we are. Everything we are. Nothing held back here, Father. Nothing held back here, Father. We give it all. We pour it all out, just like the woman who poured out everything she had on your feet to anoint you before you died. We pour out our heart's perfume in the same way, just to say you are our Lord, you are our God, but also you're our intimate friend and you invite us into this deeper and deeper every day. And so we thank you for that, Lord. And um, I'm going to pray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna... to... Before we do anything else right now, what I'm going to do is, because we do this in the services, is uh, if you had specifically a prophetic word... Now, here's the difference... I can get an encouraging word. I can read to you scripture that encouraged my heart or a testimony. I'm not asking for that. What I'm asking for is a very specific prophetic now word from the Lord. So if anybody did have something, I'm going to invite you up to come and give that now. Don't, don't waste time if you had one. Great. You're like sitting in chair. I've got one. I've got one. Do I go now? No? Yes? No? <laughs> anyway, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> she always has something. Um, so I just have a word of knowledge that Holy Spirit spoke to me during worship. Does anybody have any back pain? Okay. All right. So, so he's, you're going to pray. Can you, if you need those people, lay hands on them. What she just did, for those of you who don't know, what she just did is, from the Holy Spirit, she's been given a word of knowledge for healing. A very prophetic now word for healing. And so if you're responding to that, it's because there's power in the room now. She has the word of knowledge, which means the Holy Spirit says there's power now to heal that now. So respond and have get prayed for. So Jesus, we just lift up everyone that just raised their hand and responded that they have back pain to you, Father. We just pray over them right now, Lord, that they walk in divine health. That Jesus, when you went to the cross, you said it was finished. So they are healed. We just believe they are healed right now in your name, that you are just touching them right now, that their backs just align with your word. I just thank you, Jesus. I thank you that every muscle, tendon, ligament, just every cell, that it just aligns with your word, that they can walk out your purposes for their life, Father, and that your blood was shed for them to be healed. So I just thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing right now. We just speak your healing right now over them in Jesus' name. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Can you wait here? Because I'm going to need your help. <laughs> so to, I had ulterior motives. <laughs> um, can you test that out? If you actually have a pain and you can test it out, because we would want to know if you're healed right now. Um, now. Now, don't, like, help us out. Like, oh, I think I'm healed. 
I'll just put my hand up because I need encouragement. I'm not asking for that. What I'm asking for is if you know that you're really being healed in this moment, really testify to that and let the whole congregation know because it does raise our faith. But we want to know if you're somewhat... Yep. Oh, he's got his own microphone. Go for it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that's at least 60%. 60%. We should keep praying for that. Can someone just stand with him and you uh, just... Keep praying, keep praying for that. Because when God begins to do that, we bless it and we ask him to increase and keep doing and keep healing, right? So that the pain really goes. We don't, we don't have to stop at 60%. We don't have to settle, right? God doesn't ask us to settle. It's like keep praying over him. Keep praying, keep laying hands on. While they're doing that, I'm going to just intro a little bit what I'm talking about today, which we are created to worship, that's why we were created. And uh, here's the thing is, um, the thing the Holy Spirit told... Thank you. I, I do want you to stand here, so feel comfortable, okay? Um, so, it's, it, no, it matters, right? Like, does she slink off <laughs> right now? Or is she, like, go back to a seat or does she wait here? Like, just be here, strong and bold. <laughs> so, here's the thing is, we were, like, Adam was set into the garden to be a priest, set into the garden, which was like a temple, to worship God. And in his worship was song and dance, we've done that this morning, but also his obedience to cultivate the garden and extend the borders of the garden. Everything he was doing was take dominion, right? Increase, multiply, take dominion, increase the borders of the garden. All of that is our worship. The primary part of what we are is worshippers. And uh, today what we're talking about is how, why, why have we been created to worship? So I need you to hold it now. Is that right? Thanks. Up to my mouth so I can show. Oh, oh, 100%? 90. 90. Keep, keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. <laughs> All right. So, so here's the thing is, some of you know this song. We sung it this morning, the Set Free to Worship. It's called the Seven Minute Song. Because God gave it to me in seven minutes, the whole song. The four minutes of four minutes of just me playing around, and he literally just goes, I'll play E, I'll play B. Oh, uh, better start from the beginning. It's the sound guy getting prayed for. This is a bit difficult. Sorry, people. <laughs> but thanks for having my guitar on. <laughs> Sorry, there's an awkward moment between having things switched on when you're in one. Yeah, yeah. So are you good? Hundred percent, ninety percent, still. We'll take, we'll take, we'll take time for that. Like this is important, okay? So keep praying for him. Just this is on, so it's good, so people can hear it. Um, <laughs> the same person getting prayed for is the same person who's got to switch the guitar on. <laughs> Just so you all know <laughs> what was going on there. <laughs> Sorry, awkward moments with Romy. <laughs> Every time I get in front of people, anyway. Um, So it's called the seven-minute song because I was just sitting with the Lord and just worshipping him. And you can do this yourself, right? You don't have to sit with a guitar. You can sit singing. You can sit writing something down or whatever it is, however you like to worship him. So he just gave me the parts to the song in seven minutes, four minutes flat for all of the different parts. And then the verses, which was the, um, in his presence there is freedom. In uh, his presence there is, right? And then then literally the Holy Spirit goes like this. He goes, okay. Now, that's in your face now. Thanks. That's, that's an even more awkward moment. <laughs> but you're trying, and I really appreciate that. So, sanctify that sarcasm, right? Sanctified irony. <laughs> hold it, hold it, hold it, though, just right here. 
Hold it. <laughs> I'm not trying to make you laugh, I promise, but I'm feeling so awkward, so it helps me. <laughs> I just make jokes. <laughs> so, and so, and so, uh, it liter- Holy Spirit literally goes, okay, just, just when you're playing, that's an E. Just move your fingers up two frets. I was like, oh, that sounds nice. And then he goes, do it again. And that was three frets, but do it again. Oh, that sounds good too, Jesus. And literally, as soon as I did that, he goes, that's your bridge. And then I had that part to the song, right? And so I, four minutes flat, and the rest of it was the sing and dance part. F- like seven, so four minutes to get all that. And then I sat with him going, well, I need words now. <laughs> and he, just, he just goes, what about that scripture about being set free? Um, with the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Thank you. You're welcome. So, so that is, I'm, I'm, I'm demonstrating that, and some of you already know that, but I, I want you to understand we are created as worshippers, and that is how quickly we can catch things from the Spirit of God. That's what's called being prophetic people. That's literally how he grabs things from the Spirit, right? And I'm not saying, you know, it'd be nice if we got songs that quickly all the time. Most of us, we never do at all. Oh, I still need Jess. <laughs> and um, so most of us, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't think of the prophetic that way. We don't think of the prophetic that quickly as we can just get a song that quickly. But literally, that's what Jesus wants to give us through, through um, our intimacy with him. And we're created to worship. So why wouldn't he give us um, songs quickly? If you open your Bibles to Ephesians 5, 9. Sorry, 19. Ephesians 5, 19. I'm going to start reading from verse 17. It says this, Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This is the Lord's will. It says 18, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to just sinful life, debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the verse, verse 19. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Speak, uh, sorry, sing and make music from your heart. And so it says, Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. The verse 17 is, this is what the Lord's will is, is that you just make music in your heart, songs, psalms, hymns, things that the Holy Spirit gives you. That song was just given by the Holy Spirit. It's like the seven-minute song. It took me a long time to even go, oh, is it a legitimate song? Can I sing it in church? Because I didn't feel like I'd put the work in, which is a really dumb thing, but it's very human right? The humanity side of us goes, I didn't work at that. (laughs) Holy Spirit's just going, yeah, but just sing it anyway. (laughs) It's a song and I gave it to you. So don't like delegitimize something that he's given to you through the spirit prophetically, like run into that and grab that by faith all the more, right? Right. Thank you, David. Got that. He's always got my back. All right. Colossians 3.16. I'm going to read from 15. Colossians 3.15. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. But this is really the verse, right? 16 says, the message, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit with gratitude in your heart toward God. 
the peace that we have ruling in our hearts really connected to how we worship and, and, and if we'll worship, right? Because it's the verse before it, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Since members of one body, you're called to peace. And be thankful. Thankfulness is part of worship, right? Let the message of Christ. Now, in the Greek, it's actually the logos. That's where it's the, the logos, let the, that the word of God. So it's let the word of God dwell among you richly. richly. Like he gave the words for that song. It's just prophetically grabbed words. That's the whole point. Jess, Jess got up and got a word of knowledge. We ask for people week in, week out if you've got a prophetic word because the Holy Spirit gives us words from the Spirit. And it's in those words that he often wants us to put into psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Verse 16 continues with, Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all the time, all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. I find it, uh, like, I'm nerdy, right? I think a lot of you know I'm quite nerdy, and I, I embrace it. I don't care. Like, um, but, I, but I, like, so I just squirrel down into reading and all the Greek stuff and definitions because it just actually really builds my faith. And so, and so I was sitting with the Lord yesterday, and I had a different portion of the message ready, prepared today. But he goes, just come aside with me, sit. And he told me those two verses, literally how I got the song. He just goes, look, it's in Ephesians and it's in Colossians. Look it up. Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. And so I did. And then, because I'm a bit like, like I'm wired this way, so I start getting down into the definitions. But here's the thing is the Greek word that they're using for Psalms there, um, it just means a song of praise. But it actually means this, to pull or twitch or twang. Like this is, I'm pulling. It's like to pull or twitch or twang. So a song from the Spirit, singing songs, is to do that. But do you know that you are the instrument that God wants to play? And so when he, he wants to play on our heart, like the strings on our heart, we've actually got vocal cords which actually look like this a little bit, not quite the steel strings, they're made of flesh, right? But our vocal cords vibrate together to make this sound. That's why we can sing because our vocal cords vibrate. It's the, same, it's the same idea. And how this is like an acoustic box, right? So is, our, so is our, all of our lungs and all of the space up here, the sinuses, because that's what produces the sound as we sing. So we are the instrument that God wants to play, worship on, worship through, right? But here's what, here's what I, just a few more words here because it really did something in my heart. I was just grateful to God. Um, I, won't, I won't bore you with a lot of the Greek actual words, but, uh, but uh, uh, one of the words, because it's psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, one of the words means this, spontaneous, impromptu, never before heard melodies from the Spirit. That's why I like scrolling down into the Greek, right? Because it just it gives you, it yields so much more. Because we just read songs, sing songs to God, but you look in the Greek and it goes, a song is a spontaneous, impromptu, unheard of melody of praise. Um, and not just merely sung about anything, but really sung from your heart to God's heart, right? Here's another one. The thing that I was saying, you know, how the twang, the one that says, we make this noise ourselves with our vocal cords one of the one of the definitions yielded this and this is great for those who know uh it means to vibrate it means to be when you're touched by something because my fingers touch this right so I vibrate i make it vibrate because i've touched it but when the holy spirit comes and touches us we vibrate right 
Now, sometimes I know some of you have seen me, like in worship, I've just literally had to put my guitar down or not be able to play because the Holy Spirit's come and I sometimes really vibrate. And, and if people don't have context, I know they're looking at me going, what is she doing? <laughs> but I don't care because <laughs> I know because God's touching me and I know that when, when he touches me and I start to vibrate, literally like electricity in my body starts, my whole body starts to shake. I can lay hands on some people and I did. Where is Norm? Norm now does it too. <laughs> so good. It's not good because it hurts sometimes, <laughs> but, but it's the presence of God. Do you know what a tuning fork looks like? One of those tuning forks, if you bang it, you, and it and it just starts to vibrate because it's catching, it's catching a vibration and it creates a sound. Well, it's the same thing. So when you're touched by the Holy Spirit, he comes and it's like he touches you and he causes a vibration in you. He causes a song in you. And so you've just got to let it out. And I feel like a lot of the churches, that they just don't know what it is. So they don't let it out. They don't let the song out. So I like that, right? To cause to vibrate. The Lord helped me yesterday with that because I search scripture all the time going, I need, I need context for why I shake and vibrate like that sometimes. I'm doing it now actually, so, which is good. It's all right. The second part to the Ephesians verse this, it just actually means to make melody in the heart. The, the heart... Um, is it, is it cardia? Is the Greek word K with a cardia? Where we get our cardiac C in our English language now? Cardiac's actually through Latin. But, um, but, but our, our heart is the place where we have an altar in our heart. And on that altar is where we're meant to have, like ourselves at times, but on that altar is where the praise goes up to the Lord, right? Our worship ushers up, like comes up from that place in our heart that we've just made, intentioned to make the altar in our heart to honour him, to worship him, glorify him, give thanks, praise, um, whatever we're doing, just bless him throughout the day, right? It comes right off that place, the cardia, the heart. And so that, that this, where it says um, psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit in both of those verses, psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, they rise up off that, that altar in our heart. And um, we were created with this, an internal place in us that is meant to be kept for the Lord Jesus Christ only, right? But non-Christians don't have Jesus in there, or even Christians might have something else in there as well. We call that mixture. We've just allowed some um, extra other attentions to be dragged away or enticed into something else. We've allowed distraction. I think about this... um, the uh, think about your favourite sports team, and I don't know whatever sport you like. If you watch sport, but think you'll you'll understand this even if you don't watch a lot of sport. Um, you can be at a game and the whole crowd is cheering and yelling, and there's a roar, a ruckus roar. If you've just your team's just scored right, ah, whole 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 stadium. Um, that is that is like enthusiasm and a passion for the game and a fanaticism for the game, right? And, and we, they call the fans because it's a fanaticism. But, but that actually comes from enthusiasm. Your team just won, so you're super enthusiastic and you're super up and excited and you're going to yell and you're going to you know, thank God, whatever you're doing, because your team just scored, right? Sometimes those same people come to church and sit like bumps on a log. And we're not meant to because that place in our heart, if we're sitting like bumps in a log and not knowing what to do, it's because in our heart we've allowed something else to sit on that place that belongs only to Jesus. 
That altar has been, something's been added. So there's mixture there. And we've allowed distraction. We've allowed the love of other things to just come in and sit there and um, take some of the glory and honor and praise and worship that we're meant, created to pour back onto the feet of Jesus, right? But we've allowed it. The world is full of things to distract, to pull away our attentions, to pull away our affections. And it's called idolatry. Idolatry is just spiritual adultery. Like, because we're supposed to be the bride of Christ. And so the bride has nothing but affection for her husband only. But if her affections are returned somewhere else, onto something else, then there's divided heart, divided affections, and I've turned my devotion, you know, maybe I've still partly devoted over here, but I've really turned some of my devotion over here, and there's a mixture going on in me, right? And so the bride of Christ is meant to be, just have this undivided heart of complete faithfulness to the Lord, right? But this is what it's like. It's the, it's, it's adultery is spiritual adultery or spiritual unfaithfulness. Does that make sense? I don't, I know this is heavy on the one hand, but it is actually something that God really wants to deal with us. And I'll tell you why, even before, I've got more scripture here, but before I even jump in there, I, I, we pray about this and we talk about it a lot. And I really, I'm hoping that you catch it and we will keep talking about it until, until you really catch it. I am kicking that lead away in case you're wondering what I'm doing so I don't step on it as I wreck it if I step on it. <laughs> um, when we... When we can just approach the Lord with a heart of purity that's very free of other adulteries and unfaithful things, we get to walk into deeper and greater intimacy. If we approach him but have this divided heart and affections going in different directions and distractions, like I can't pray because I get distracted, I can't worship because I get distracted, that's not my favorite song, I'll wait till my song comes on because that's my jam, I can get into it, Uh, that's not my style, you know, whatever the reasons are... um, we actually hinder our own relationship with the Lord. And he longs, he longs for the best of the affections of your heart. Like he longs for you to just put him as number one and have him as the, as the first place, the, the first thing and the best thing, the priority of your life. He, he longs for that. And not because he actually needs it or egotistical, right? It's because when we live like that, that's when we're changed and made more like Jesus, We're literally changed to become more like Jesus when we just fix our gaze and fix our eyes and all of our attentions and all of our affections on him. The more we can intention with our heart to just make him the one, right? We become changed degree by degree, transformed every day, taking on more of his glory. You know, Moses came down and they had to put a veil over his face. It wasn't because of anything Moses did wrong. It's because they were living in sin and they couldn't look at Moses' face because he'd been changed. (laughs) And so he was reflecting the glory of God because he'd understood what this pure devotion was and he just kept going into the presence again and again. He just went back into the presence. He'd go talk to the people, back into the presence. Go talk to the people, back into the presence. It's in the presence of God in that place of pure devotion, utter devotion of your heart. You are changed and you are made more like Jesus. And that's the whole purpose of Jesus coming in the first place is that we be changed, transformed, and made more like him returned to that place that Adam had of unbroken intimacy like unbroken nothing hindering right Adam just could walk with God in the cool of the day every day no fear no shame nothing held back in fact shame and fear if if if, if that's something that's hindering it's because there's idolatry it's because there's sin 
So if there's, if, there's, if there's anxiety or fear or shame of even entering, see, I think worship is really confrontational to some people. I, I wish it wasn't because I understand what it means for some people. But I understand it, it is confrontational because if you're going to really worship, you're going to step into greater presence and that means you've got to let go of the things that have held you back before. Right? And so there's a confrontation that happens because to step into the presence of God, you've got to decide, I'm going to live more pure. I'm going to live more devoted. I'm going to give the old habits up because I want, to, I want him. And if your eyes are fixed on him and you see him more clearly, like we grow into this, we grow into seeing him more clearly every day. And as we do that, because our eyes are beholding him, that's, we're changed and made more like him. Right? That's why God wants us to be worshippers. Not because he needs it. He's got thousands and thousands and thousands of angels in heaven worshipping him all day long, throwing their crowns, elders around him, throwing their crowns down. He doesn't need it for his own sake. He wants it for us because we need it for our sake so that we're returned to the original design as worshippers and we, we look and become and taste more like Jesus just because we have, right? So I know, I know that worship, I know that sometimes... When presence gets pretty thick in this place, I know that for some it can get confrontational because, because the presence of God is going to be. In the Old Testament, um, the pe- people, who, people who, was, who, who were just racked with problems and sin or issues or habits, they just couldn't get near the presence at all because the presence of God would kill them. Literally, they'd drop dead. I don't want anyone to drop dead in here. <laughs> so, because we don't want anyone to drop dead in here, we talk about this stuff. This is what, this is what idolatry, a couple, a couple of the things. The Bible talks about idolatry almost every book of the Bible. 66 books of the Bible, idolatry comes up in almost all of them because, because God wants us to deal with this stuff and not live with it, right? So here are just a few. In 1 Samuel 15, you can write them down, 1 Samuel 15, 23, arrogance and pride is the evil of idolatry. God calls arrogance a proud, lifted-up heart. He calls it idolatry. In Ephesians 5, 5, it says, No immoral, impure, or greedy person, person has anything to do with the kingdom of God. No inheritance for them. People who are immoral, impure, and greedy, the Bible, Ephesians 5, 5, calls that person an idolater. Spiritual adultery, spiritual unfaithfulness. Colossians 3.5 calls it like it is. Greed, just greed. A greedy person is an idolater, having greed. Okay. Ezekiel 8.3 talks about an idol that provokes jealousy. So jealousy itself, right? The idolatry in our life provokes us to a place of jealousy, right? So jealousy is the manifestation of idolatry. Make sense? Hosea 9, chapter, uh, chapter 9, verse 10 says... Um, consecrating themselves to shameful... Hosea, it's a longer... Actually, read Hosea 9. It's a good whole book of Hosea, actually. It's, he's, that's, that's Jesus. He's the picture of Jesus, and his wife is the, the spiritual unfaithful person. So it's a good book. Anyway, Hosea chapter 9, verse 10 says, Consecrating themselves to shameful idols, they became as vile as the thing they loved. And, um, and so some of, the things, some of the things that we might love, it's saying there we become like what we love. We become, if we're swapping Jesus and, some, and allowing something else to sit on that place in our heart, whatever the other thing is, you will worship something. So if it's not Jesus, it's going to be something else or someone else. 
It can be cars. It can be the bank account. It can be the career. It can be the education. It can be my children, right? That's called self, um, that, that's a type of idolatry. And, uh, you know, the psychological world comes up and psychiatry comes up with words like um, enablement or codependency. You know what it is? It's, it's spiritual idolatry. The codependent person that's living with these codependent relationships and enabling relationships is a form of spiritual idolatry, right? So you become like, you become like what you love. And you know what? I just want to be, I want to be more like Jesus, so it's an easy thing to go, I want to set that aside because the swap, what I get in return is, is more of Jesus. If I sit this bad habit aside, if I sit this thing down and pick up more of Jesus and put that into my life, you mean I become more like Jesus? Like isn't that, isn't that worth setting aside the other stuff and asking him, even if it's hard, right? Even if it's hard, you can still say, I need your help with this and he gives it. Jesus said, uh, the Bible says that you have not because you ask not. So if you need his help to give up stuff, just ask for it. And he promises he'll give it lots and lots. He's very generous. He's very generous with his help. Just ask. So um, Zechariah chapter 10, verse 2, it says, Idols speak deceitfully. They give comfort in vain. So deceitful vanity and false comfort. Idolatry, a manifestation of, of if you have an idol in your heart, a manifestation is, is the seeking of convenience and comfort and the believed lies. That's a manifestation of I've allowed something in here, mixture. I have a divided heart because I'm seeking comfort, I'm seeking convenience. Right. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 23. This was in the book, the whole book of Deuteronomy was right before, this is after the 40 years wilderness as a new generation and Moses stands before them and reasserts the covenant and explains the whole story of the 40 years and why these new generation have spent 40 years and then he gives them the, the uh, Ten Commandments again and then says in chapter 5, but this is chapter 4, but he's, he's, he's re, it's like he's re, re-consecrating them to the covenant and he says this though, um, be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything for forbidden before God. Idolatry is forbidden. It was forbidden for them. The first three, I think possibly four, someone could look it up. The first three, if not also four, ten commandments deal with putting God first, loving him first, and, and dealing with idolatry. So it's pretty huge to God. We live, clearly we live as new creations and a new covenant, but those Ten Commandments still matter. <laughs> they don't go away. They really, really matter. You'll have no gods before me. Like, love the Lord your God. Well, he, he actually said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength um, fulfills it all. Jesus did in Luke 10, 27. But he's, if, you, if you live like that, loving him with everything you are, fulfilling the Ten Commandments, it becomes really easy and, and natural. It's a natural byproduct, Right? So 1 John 5.21 says this, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. So um, I, know, I know I'm not going to talk about idolatry. I'm actually trying to call everybody into awareness of your own heart, awareness of things that might distract you from worship, awareness that might distract you from if you, if you sit and pray, is your phone with you and are you quicker just turn to Facebook or quicker turn to social media? And I'm saying that as someone who's done it, 
I'm not saying up here, I'm perfect. I'm not doing that at all. I am saying let's all just intention with our heart to develop the, the self-discipline to discipline our thoughts, our thinking, so that our affections can be poured out him in the way that he deserves. Like he deserves everything. We deserve nothing. Right? But if we can be people who just go, I'm going to intention in my heart to pour everything out on Jesus' feet. Like the woman who poured out her alabaster jar, she's poured it out on, on his feet, anointed him for burial. Spent, like held nothing back, spent every last cent she had. Meant, I don't have a future, actually, because it was a dowry. They needed, a woman needed a dowry in those days. And she just poured it all out on his feet. It, it's like it's mind, like if you, if you can think of um, a full year's wage is what the Bible people, scholars will say, that was what she, the, the, the amount of perfume that was poured out, the worth, the value. A full year's wage, and I don't know how much people earn here, but like 40,000, 50,000, 100,000, I don't know what you get for a year, but that's a full year's wage. Can you imagine just walking up to the feet of Jesus and pouring out $100,000? <laughs> Have it all. Do you take a little bit back? I might need it next week if they close the stores and supply chains disappear. Just saying. <laughs> For real though, this woman just, she goes, I don't, if I don't have you, Jesus, I don't have a future. Like what, what, what good is a future if I don't have you and you are all and, and be my all and she poured everything out, Right? Mark 4, verse 24, and it actually says, I think it says it almost the same, almost the same word for word. It says this, NIV says, carefully, uh, consider carefully what you hear. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and that besides even more. The, I like it better in the NLT because it says, pay close attention to what you hear and what you look at. Because what you pay close attention to, that's what you get more of. And so if you are paying really close attention, because the Bible also says in other places, fix your eyes on Jesus, right? If you are paying close attention and fixing your eyes on him with everything you have, you will get more of him into your life. You will get more of intimacy. You will get more revelation. You will get like what you're looking for. The, the, the cry of the of human heart is for Jesus, right? It, it is the cry of every human heart. People put lots of things on that altar to stop the cry and to try and satisfy the cry because every human heart has been made for worship. And if Jesus is not the one being worshipped, something else will be. The cry of the heart is for worship for Jesus, but we stick things in there, all kinds of, like pornography is a really good one because it's the distraction. I'll distract. And it, what it does, it's like a drug because it sets up this um, neurological chemical process in your brain. It's like a little stimulus, little stimulus. And it's a distraction from the real things going on, right? And so any addiction, I could, I could name anything at all. Like chocolate does it. This is still sugar. This is a sugar hit. This is a sugar hit. It's a little bit of um, chemical, chemical hit in your brain. It makes you feel good for five minutes. But then you're back to who you were. <laughs> that's the cycle of addiction you need more, you need more, you need more it increases, it increases and the one who will always satisfy you is Jesus and he promises to give himself to you more and more and more he says come to me if you're, if you're thirsty and you're hungry I'll give you rest he says come to me, I will give you living waters Right? you'll never thirst again he said to the woman at the well if you knew, I, should, I don't know, have it, have it here it's, uh, he said to the woman at the well because um, she was trying to give him a glass of water, actual water, right? And he's like, no, no, no. I've got water that you know nothing about. 
right? And what it was was the giving of himself in relationship that would then fulfill that longing in her heart to be in intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, the lover of her soul. And that, that place would be satisfied then by him alone. Like only Jesus satisfies. Now, I love my husband. Like I, I lo- I'll cry. <laughs> I'm really grateful for this man. Like, I, I am so grateful. Um, and I waited. I didn't, you know, didn't date until I was like, I tried to for like a week when I was like 20. <laughs> it didn't work. And, but I was glad because I waited and waited. And so I was 26 when I met him. And he was really then the first person, my first boyfriend. And, but here's the thing is, um, with even him being my first boyfriend and, and then really, the, you know, gave my heart to him, even that, because even he knows Jesus is still there first before he is. And, and my prayer, I had this big long list of prayers. You know, some people like, he's got to have a house and a car and it's got to be yellow. I don't know what people make lists about. But um, my lists were, I, I literally had a friend who goes, he's, it's got to have, it's got to be like, what's that, what's that American muscle car? What's the American muscle car? Mustang. All right, in Australia, my, my girlfriend uh, literally had on her list the type of car... <laughs> And it was one of the Australian muscle cars, and she put down the colour and everything. She started dating a guy exactly with the car she wanted and the colour, it was so bizarre. But, um, but anyway, off track. <laughs> it is funny, but you know what? God's, God's all about the details of our life. If our heart, especially, you know what? He meets them too. If our heart is in the right place for him, and our heart's really in pursuit of him, all those other details he takes care of. The Bible says that, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you, right? The seeking first is the seeking first of relationship with him. That's it. That's it. Really simplify that verse. What does it mean to seek first the kingdom? I don't know what the kingdom is. It just means seek first the relationship with Jesus Christ and have him as first one on your heart. And everything else he'll add to you. So my girlfriend got her yellow car. <laughs> I got Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> So, no, I don't want a yellow car. No, marigold. I like marigold. It's a better yellow. No, um, I, have, I have a black van. I like my van. It's got black wheels. <laughs> Had to make it look less vanish. Vanish. It's got black wheels. <laughs> it's murdered out. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, where was I? Lists. So, on my, I, I really just wrote to the Lord for years, and I just kept it in my Bible. And I just, I want a man who's going to pursue you more than he'll pursue me. I want a man who's going to be living with such high level of integrity. I want a man who's kept, you know, we keep ourselves for the honeymoon night, so there'll be joyful tears on the honeymoon night. And so things like that I put on my list, and uh, and what they were were. If you can feel God's heart, right, and you know you start to feel your worth and you know God and you know that he loves you and you become very confident in who you are in him because you know he loves you, you can start putting things on your list like the pursuit is the thing, the integrity is the thing and, and, the, and, and things about dignity. A car is much less about dignity. It's just a, my girlfriend's car, right, but the dignity things. I want him to treat me. Like, like I really am a gift from heaven to him. And I want to treat him like he's, he's a gift from heaven. And I don't think I always do it very well, but I try. <laughs> so, um, 
You understand what I'm saying? It's like, because even this, even this relationship, by the way, can become one that's idolatrous if we're not careful. And so the pursuit, it had to be in my letter to Jesus, was the pursuit. I want him to pursue you, Jesus, more than he pursues me. I want my heart to always pursue you more than I'll ever pursue him. It's important. Because again, that just becomes another place for codependency and idolatry if we're not careful. And uh, Jesus just wants the best of our hearts, the best of everything that we have. And he doesn't, he doesn't ask without ever giving us anything back. He always gives us stuff back and much, much more than we ever give him. Like the, the return on investment into the kingdom. There's, a, there's literally, if you're in the investment world, the ROI, the return on investment into anything that you do in the spiritual realm and the heavenly in the kingdom of God is far super, exceeds, supersedes anything that you could ever invest. He pours back into you more and more and more. The abundant life of Christ Jesus in your life is what you start to flow in, this abundance. And, uh, but it starts with you investing yourself and investing your heart and making sure that your heart, the priority of your heart, everything that you're doing. So it's even as I've got three kids, two ones, they're spread out everywhere, actually. Even as you're just washing dishes for your kids, right? You're picking up and cleaning messes and changing poopy diapers. But you're there with Jesus. And you're changing the poopy diapers with Jesus. And he's not afraid of it. Some people might be gagging, but he's not afraid of our humanity, right? So he's right there in the middle of it all, washing dishes, going shopping, uh, all of your mumming. I'm a mum, so all of your fathering if you're a dad. Like, he's there, he's there with you at every moment of every minute of every day, and he just wants you to acknowledge that. Like, acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. Acknowledge that he's there because it brings him in, and, and you become, when it when it's first might start out as discipline, Right? I've got to discipline my attention, my focus. I've got to discipline myself. It starts out as discipline. I get that. It very quickly becomes delight. What was discipline one day, you'll soon quickly find yourself walking into a place of it. This is now great delight for me because now I see the fruit of this relationship. The ROI is paying off. <laughs> There's an increase I now am seeing a bit more, catching more revelation. My faith is growing. I'm hearing his voice better. I'm getting stuff out of scripture now that, oh my gosh, that's just blowing up in my heart, God. What's happening? It's, what's happening is your relationship's just going deeper because you've made him one. You've made him the priority of your life. The very thing we're created to do is that he would be the priority of our life, that he would receive all of our worship and none of our worship would go to any other person or any other thing, every bit of our worship. And it doesn't mean we don't love people. Clearly, I've talked about my husband. I love my husband. I love my kids. I love, I love our church, actually. We had a great, just a birthday party last night. We just sat around having fun, laughing, giggles and playing songs. Um, but uh, it's, it's the, can we love all that? Oh, by the way, some people idolatrise ministry. Now, ministry becomes the thing, the motivation. That's been cleaned up right now, though, isn't it? Won't say anything else about that. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So that's the the purpose of our worship is transformation. We're transformed. It's 2 Corinthians 3.18, if you tried to get that and didn't, and I went too quick. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Acts 9.15 says, 
speaking of um, Paul, but it's our lives too. Put yourself in scripture, right? Uh, this man is my chosen instrument. Instrument. This man is my chosen instrument. The Greek word that says there also means vessel. So depending on the context, it'll say, this is my chosen vessel. This is my chosen instrument. Also in Romans 6.13, it says, do not offer any part of yourself as an instrument of wickedness. Because that's the idolatry, right? Rather offer yourselves to God, those who've been brought from death to life. Offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. An instrument of righteousness because he does want to come and play on the strings of your heart. Like literally come and play on the strings of your heart. Right? It's a, uh, it's a, uh, what time is it? I'm going to tell a few stories because um, the Lord had to deal with me on some things. So I play guitar. You saw me. And um, I sing. And I have since I was little. Like um, we just had a guitar in the house and a piano. So what does a kid without social media and without the internet do back in the 1970s? <laughs> you make, you know, actually boredom is really good for kids. For real. Like boredom is really good. Take away their devices because it causes them to start to think creatively and to start to do other things. So I didn't have any of that. We had in Australia like two channels on TV. We didn't even have TV. <laughs> you had like 50 channels. We had two. And there was no programming for kids anyway. <laughs> um, See. So, Boredom actually is really good because it causes you to be creative. And I just had this sense that God was real and I really loved him as a little tiny kid. I was growing up in an unbelieving household, um, just very religious, but, but no, uh, no actual relationship with God. But I loved him and I didn't understand it. But I'd sit on my piano and I'd, you know, I showed you the seven-minute song. I'd sit on my piano and just wrote some songs, just going as a kid, tiny I think I, like eight years old, one of them. I remember, I can still play it today. And uh, I just remember playing it going, I think I just wrote a song, <laughs> but I'm too young to really have context or know what that even meant, right? And then a couple of years later, I just picked up the guitar and started trying to make it sound good because you can make it sound really bad if you don't know what you're doing. It's like dissonant if you don't know the notes and stuff. And so I worked out with just, oh my gosh, this sounds good, this doesn't, this sounds great, that sounds horrible, for real. Like, and so I just would mess around and um, I just started worshipping God. But then I found myself in a um, really good, at 14, in a really great spirit-filled church. They brought me onto the worship team and I didn't know what I was doing, but they let me sing anyway. <laughs> so, I'm like, I don't know why they did, but they let me. Um, so I would just sing and I'd bring my guitar to any of the... We'd just turn up at each other's houses and I would always bring the guitar. It was a beat-up old nasty thing too, but I'd turn up with a guitar. And they just, they just showed me how to play songs. And they gave me some sheet music. Oh, here's this song. So some of the first songs that I learned were like in the 80s then of... Uh, oh, what's the first one? Oh, we do it sometimes here. because Anyway, Jesus Lover of My Soul, that's the 90s. You, you, he, he mouthed a song to me, but that's from the 90s. That's Hillsong. There's something, some Maranatha songs, like in the 80s, the early 80s, some of those Maranatha songs. And I just started playing them, learning. And, and, and it was great for me to be with these church people because then I'd go back into my own house and annoy my parents so much because I'd be away in the bedroom blasting it loud, barely playing good, right, because I'm a kid, I'm just learning. I didn't care 
because I knew it was doing something to me. Something was happening in me as I just sat with the Lord and I just worship and pour out my heart before him. And, um, and um, it was just really good for my heart. So I went to college. Then I had to move to another city. And in that city, it took me, it took me almost three years to find another church. Because Australia doesn't have a church in every corner. Like, there's churches here everywhere. Right? But it took me three years. That was really hard to not find a church home. When I finally did, I turned up with my guitar. <laughs> Beat up thing that it was. And they looked at me like I was a crazy person. I was like, the last church let me sing. You're not going to let me sing. <laughs> and, they, and they said, nah, nah. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> what it did, though, was make me put the guitar down for a little while. And I didn't think that I was good enough. Because one church leader goes, you're not good enough. And I was just young and impressionable, right? And I think this hangs over a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of musicians, a lot of singers. There should be a lot more musicians, a lot more singers doing this, but they don't. And my story is one reason. And so I, um, I remember going, just playing with the Lord, or even sat that down a little bit and just would put CDs on instead more. And, uh, and then... Uh, that church, they, they didn't want me on the worship team. They didn't want me on the worship team. They're like, you don't sing well enough. Well, you sing too loud. You sing too loud. Because they needed to be sweet and breathy. And I'm not very sweet and breathy. I'm loud. <laughs> so I get that. I get that. And that was the 90s, right? And then uh, I, remember, I remember going, okay, I'll just get busy doing whatever else you want me to do, God. Happy to. But, 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 but it caused me to put aside my instruments, the guitar, I, I, and the piano too, right? And that was really sad. That was really sad. I look back now going, I should never have listened to any one of those leaders. There wasn't, wasn't very many, but enough to make a young girl set the instruments aside. And then, and then in the 2000s, we're here, and uh, I, uh, we were on the staff of a church in the early days. And um, one of the things that we did, we, we, we were looking after all the cell groups, cell group pastors. And I was so excited because I was about to get bust everybody's guitar out. If you've got a guitar, come to me. I'll give you music and go play in that cell group. <laughs> and I, we had this plan. And I remember sitting and the person who was my boss said, no, because if it's not, if it's not excellent, we're not going to have any live music. And I sat there going, live music? What's what? No live music. And so what it was was they wanted only CDs played back in the day, CDs, right? Only CDs played because that was excellent, but for us to have someone who's not so excellent sit there with the 10 people singing there, singing to the Lord was not excellent. And here's, that was damaging to me as well because it just made me again just go, oh, what's this? And I, in my own time with the Lord, I would sing and I'd worship and I'd make music and I'd dance around like a crazy person in the house and still do all that. And, um, but I really had put the instruments away and thought I should never lead worship. Literally. And I have to do it all the time here now. <laughs> I have to. I want to. <laughs> Change that. I want to. Um, but uh, but it, took me, it took me to a place of, I don't know, I just love to sing. I love to worship. This is, and, and it builds so much intimacy. I don't know what's going on over there. I'll do it in my private time, always, and serve them in whatever way they'll take it. And, and I kind of just had that resolve in my heart, right? Well, anyway, then we started talking about planting a church, and we didn't have any musicians. I was it. <laughs> so I hadn't played. I didn't even have it. I had to go buy a guitar. <laughs> and oh, one was given to me, actually. And then, and then I bought a better one. And then I got that one gifted, which is beautiful. And uh, 
We, I literally just had to stand again now just with 10 or 20 people, again with my sheet music going, how do I do this again in front of all these people? <laughs> and this was, just, this was just five years ago, four years ago. And um, in my heart, and this is confession time so that, that you all understand what was going on. In my heart, I was like, I'll just do it until we get the real musicians. Isn't that sad? In my heart, I literally was like, I'll just do this until we get really good, skilled musicians again, then I'll just step back and do the other things I'm good at. (laughs) What a lie I had believed. Isn't that, isn't that? And see, this is what, this is where we can get messed up with what worship even is in the first place, because it is not entertainment, and it is not about being really, really excellent at the thing. I want to grow, and I want to get better. I train, I do voice exercises, I do vocal training, I do some exercises and work out my fingers, and I do things as when I can to improve. And so do that, but, but don't not worship and don't not play your instrument because you're not good enough and you wouldn't be on some Bethel album, Right? So one day, so one day I'm playing and I'm still, and two people picked up instruments. Where are you? Norm, who played, and Michelle's over here. And they're like, we've never played an instrument before, but we'll stand with you and try. <laughs> I was like, you're hired. <laughs> and, so, and so, seriously. And so, and they did. And they really learnt. And, and, and um, God bless that too. And I'm really grateful for them. And, uh, but I, I remember sitting down one day after a really great worship, because God comes, because it's not about my excellence or lack of it. It's about our heart. Have I poured everything out on your feet today, Jesus? Have I just let everything go in the alabaster perfume? Have I let the perfume of my heart rise to you? Right? And we do that, and his presence comes in a really great way. But I, so that happened one day. The presence was amazing. And um, I sat down, and the Lord the Lord because I'd made a joke earlier, when the real musicians will all sit down and they'll, they'll, they'll do it, right? I'd made a joke with my two friends who were in beautiful support of me and I sat down and the Lord rebuked me and he goes, every time you say that about yourself, you delegitimize yourself and you delegitimize them too. You better stop it right now, never say it again. And Clayton was preaching and I don't know what he was preaching about but I'm sitting there going, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I delegitimized myself. I listened to the wrong voices and I let those voices stop me from raising my voice to you in public, right? Because that's what we've got to do, every one of us, no matter the skill level. We've got to raise our voices. The song that God has put in your heart has got to come out of your mouth because when it does, it changes the atmospheres around about you. You have no idea what is happening in the spirit realm. I often see in the spirit... So I know some people do. I know a lot of people really don't, though. But I, what I have seen in the spirit is things, weights drop off people. I've seen, um, sometimes I can see a stronghold around a person or, or around a situation. And I will watch as worship is happening and we're singing out. I watch, it's as if scaffolding is being broken down. You know, scaffolding around the exterior of a building and they build it up and they take it away when the building's built. Well, I've seen worship take down scaffolding like that over a person's life in the spirit. Because our words, when we're there in worship and we're singing words that are scriptural, have a very powerful effect and that's the whole point. We're created to worship and we're created to overcome in our worship, right? Our overcoming is when we lift our voice in spite of the circumstance we might be walking through, in spite of what you walked in with today. If you can lift your voice in worship, you change the atmosphere in your home, you change it around your life, you change it around your own heart. Sometimes the scaffolding's in our own heart. 
It's the, it's the holding myself back because I just don't feel comfortable with the confrontation. <laughs> that might require repentance in some people's heart. They might need to let some stuff go, right? But, but, but when you just go, I'm going to align my heart and everything I am with who you are, Jesus. I'm just going to give everything to you, Jesus. Your life becomes transformed and uh, you're made more like him, which is the very purpose of you being created and put onto the earth for such a time as this. Anyway, you have a plan and a purpose that God has put you here and now for, into a certain family, into our church family, into a certain biological family. There is plans on your life that God wants you to fulfill. And so he said of David, he's my friend because he fulfilled everything that was in my heart. In worship, we get that place of intimacy and we catch more of his heart. And then we get to be called, just like David was called, his friend, because we now know his heart and we can fulfill everything that's in his heart. And we walk into our purpose and our destiny, our identity as believers, our identity as worshippers, when we can catch his heart and it, causes, it, it requires the focus on him, the attention given to him, the ability for our heart just to be so pressed into who he is, leaning on him with everything we are and setting aside the discipline to set aside the wrong distractions, Right? So that every one of our affections is just given. Like every one of our affections. He's the need meter. He's the need meter. We can't fix ourselves. We can't fix our spouses and our kids and our jobs or the world or the COVID stuff. We can't fix that. But, but we worship the one who does, who can, and who is, by the way. He is fixing it, right? We worship the one who is in control. We worship the one who is eternal from beginning to the end, alpha and omega, unchanging, loves you, will love you, will continue to love you till the very end. The eternal God. So we live in this temporal world, but we've got to worship the eternal God who's in the unseen realm, right? And we live in, the, in this temporal world is where the idolatry comes from, the temporal stuff, the cars, social media, it's temporal, the jobs, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, the football, whatever, whatever the idol can be, right? We, it's a temporal world, it's fleeting, it's going to end one day. Remember that because we're really called to a much, much higher place. Just remember one of the the scripture I started praying with at the very beginning of the service was Psalm 22. I think it's verse 3, but you should look it up. Um, He sits enthroned upon our praises. And so whether you're on your own, sitting in your own house, and you just sit with your Bible open, maybe a journal open, or just a cup of coffee, and you want to just sing a song to him, he sits with you. He inhabits that place with you. And then when we're together in this corporate place, there's just a like a multiplication effect that happens with the anointing. It's called a corporate anointing. It's just multiplied and increased in a greater way, right? Because Jesus promised it. We're two or more are gathered. There am I in the midst, right? So there's a multiplication that happens. And so when we just give ourselves again and again and again to that place of worship, um, we, we literally are changed. We literally become more like Jesus. And that's the very essence of it, the core the core of what you, why you were put on the earth, the core of who you are, the like spiritual DNA is righted when we just give ourselves to worship again and again and again. Amen. Amen. So it's 11.50. I'm just going to pray. And uh, yeah. 
Yes, I will pray for you, David. Always. David, by the way, David will pray for you. Great blessing over your life. So let him, if he's ever asking you, because he's just a faith-filled prayer. So we just love you so much. Yep. All right. So we're going to pray. Give your heart, just attention in your heart. And we're going to wait in silence, okay? Don't worry about, don't worry about anyone else around you right now. Just wait in silence. Jesus, we just um, pour out the perfume of our heart on you and um, teach, us, teach us how to do it. Teach us how to do it better. Teach us how to do it more. Teach us, God, how to give everything over and hold nothing back. Help us, help us. It's the desire, God. You are the desire of our heart, Jesus. Help us just to step into this in a greater way. Help us step into the freedom that comes to you because there's such freedom in that place of your presence. There's freedom in that place of intimacy with you. We want to walk into this. Help us walk into this. Help us walk into this, Jesus. I thank you that you come. Thank you that when we start to sing, you you come immediately. You never, you never leave us anyway. But you come in a greater way and you make your presence known. And I pray that there would be real encounter here, Father, for people. That there'd be very, very real encounter. That there'd be people would um, feel it internally or, or even on the outside. That there'd be such real encounter. It's the knowing you, which is the personal experience with the Lord Jesus Christ that makes the difference in our lives. And so help us as we just sit ourselves in that place of worship at your feet and we just pour out that perfume on your feet. It's We want to know you. We want to fall more in love with you. We want to know there's so many sides to catch of you. There's just, we'll never plumb the depths of who you are here on the earth. So help us never settle. God, if, if there's people in here that have settled, we just repent of that right now. If there's, if there's been settling, where there's been idolatry, I don't, I'm not going to ask anybody to lift their hands or anything, but you know, right? And so Lord, where there's been idolatry, we just repent of that right now. If there's been mixture that we've allowed in, sometimes willfully, sometimes in ignorance, we repent of it, Father. We give it up, Jesus. We give up the wrong things. We give up the mixture. We give up the wrong distractions. We give up those things, knowing that as we do and we choose you, Jesus, we just get more of you. We want more of you. We want more of you. Um, in, in Acts chapter 3, it says, repent, because when you repent, times of refreshing will come from the Lord. And so I pray that as this repentance comes, as people give up this stuff, God, that true refreshing would come into their hearts and their lives right now, that they literally would feel your presence. The re refreshing from the Lord. Lord, is his presence around about you in a stronger way in an encounter and so God I just pray as people really do let go as they do let go of things God refresh bring refreshment bring your presence in a great way father thank you Jesus thank you Jesus you know what just start to sing in tongues Ooh. Ooh. 
Jesus, yeah. we worship you. If you don't yet pray in tongues, now's the time to ask him to get it. <laughs> or you can just like thank him in English, like tell him that you love him in English, right? It's all right. Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. You refresh our souls. You refresh our souls, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. So we just... We just sang with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. That's all that is. Songs from the Spirit of God. My favorite times are when we don't have instruments or a worship leader, that the Holy Spirit is the one, and there's just this melody that is just floods through the place, right? And people are catching their own melody, but there's this beautiful harmonizing. Some people are singing in English. Some people are singing some scripture, others are just praying in tongues or just making the noise like, ooh, just whatever the note is, right? They're my favorite times of all in worship because it's the Holy Spirit who's really directing that. And uh, there's healing, breaks depression, joy comes, freedom comes. You are invited into greater intimacy. You're invited into greater relationship. That's, That's the place, right? worship you can do that on your own at home do it do it just like lift your voice because he loves it even if you sing in tune or don't sing in tune or loud or soft or strong it doesn't matter he just loves it all right so amen yeah that's beautiful Romy um was it last week we interviewed I think did you lose me? There we go. I'd encourage you to get the podcast. We put the podcast out. I know we were a little bit behind because I do the podcast and I was out of commission for four weeks, but I put like three of them up last week. And, uh, and so we're kind of caught up on it. And But I'd encourage you to listen to last week's interview that Romy two weeks, did. Two weeks ago. Two weeks Yours ago. Was last week. I preached last week. Uh, with David and Emily. Um, Emily's our worship pastor and, and David's one of our worship leaders. Combining with what she just said, because you can kind of get a full picture of it. And uh, I just wanted to share one thing as well before, as we close. Um, so when I met Romy, she was my, she talked about those cell groups. She was my cell group leader. That's kind of how we really met and got to know each other. And it was in that period between when she had put the guitar down and when she picked it back up again. 
but yet worship had never left her. And so I'm in her cell group and we're doing the CD thing and there's 10 people in a house and this girl is belting out worship. She's never, she's never had less volume, okay? It was like... 10,000 angels. It was, it, 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 was, it was loud, wasn't for show. And I just remember sitting there going, who is this girl? Not like, who is this girl? I was like, I want that. I mean, not want that. You understand what I mean? Well, I did, but that's not what I meant. But I just went, she, she's got something I want that I don't, I don't have. Um, and it was bold and it was courageous. So Psalm says he put a new song in my mouth. And what she said today is God's put a song in your mouth. But you've got to speak it out. You've got to sing it. Okay? I would not marry somebody who did not worship. I'll never trust a leader who doesn't worship. I won't listen to a preacher who doesn't worship. It's that important. That doesn't mean next week you come and if you're single, you're worshiping as loud as you possibly can. You know what I mean? But honestly, if you're looking for a partner, that is, that is for me. That was a real measuring rod for me. And I just believe that's going to help some people here this morning. Yeah. The second thing as we close, which for a preacher means 10 more minutes, but it won't, I promise. Those early days when it was her and Norm and Michelle that were playing, there's probably 20 people in the church. We were renting a synagogue over in Green Run. And that service is probably 20 people. And I'm in the front row. And I'm worshiping. And I'll be honest with you, it wasn't very good. There's no criticism of you guys. They literally were just Yes, learning. it was. Hang on. <laughs> they were learning their instruments. And Romy had just picked it back up. And so, you know, I came from a very high, excellent, like you can't get on the stage unless you can read music and you got to, it's got to be good and we'll try you out. And if you're no good, sorry. You know what I mean? But I get the place for excellent. And so I found myself in that environment going, ah, I'm a little uncomfortable because I know we're trying to get there and this is beautiful. I mean, they are pouring their hearts out. They understand the heart of worship, but I was worried about everybody else. What's everybody else going to are they going to come back? And I'm thinking about it. And finally, I just, you know, you worship and you're kind of peeking. And I turned around and everyone was lost in worship. Just lost. Except me. See, the issue was me. The issue was not the lack of excellence. Because God goes, this is the most excellent thing I've seen because they're worshiping me in spirit and in truth. If you're finding a hard time engaging in worship, it ain't what's happening here. It's what's happening here. But the constant love of the Father will draw you towards Him. And He'll put a song in your mouth to sing to Him. That was beautiful. Thank you, Romy. I just, that's my own story, a part of it. And I just want to encourage you with that. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.